Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Three Point Perspective podcast. This is a podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. All three of us are professional illustrators, and for the last 25 years, we've all worked uh, with every major publisher and uh, for every publication in the biz. We've published over 50 books, and we've all taught uh, illustration at universities. Yep. Each week, we tackle a subject related to illustration from three perspectives. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we'll argue, but every time you're going to learn something new. All right, so today we're going to be talking about something uh, Will and I uh, have have talked a little bit briefly with each other, but um, Will, do you want to tell us what the the subject is today and and start unpacking this? Sure. So the topic is going to be called, uh, My Art is Great, Why Won't Anyone Hire Me? And uh, the, the, the idea for this subject actually has been something that's been coming for quite a while um, to back up just a little bit. I started a YouTube channel many years ago, and that sounds weird to say many years ago because YouTube isn't really many years old. <laughs> but it's 10 years old. I think I've had my YouTube channel for probably seven or six or seven years. That's, that's huge. That's ancient. I know. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, I started it. And and this will apply to the subject. I started it because I had made myself available online uh, as an illustration teacher, as an instructor, and I started getting all these questions emailed to me. And so I would get up in the morning and I would type out a question or an answer to a question. And then inevitably a month later or a few weeks later, I would get basically the same question. And I, as a means to make my life easier and to make the lives of others better, I felt I could give a more complete answer by just making a video and just basically responding to this person and every future person with the same question. And one question that I got often, and I I don't really feel like I ever really gave a good answer to it, and that's why I thought it would be good in this format to really get your your guys' perspectives as well. But it's it's basically a letter where someone says, I've done everything that you said, I should do. Uh, I've worked really hard. My work is great, but I'm not getting any work. I'm just not, no one will hire me to do freelance illustration. And so that's really where this came from. And I think it was probably three months ago, I got a really long letter that really just explained this whole thing. And I asked the person, can, can I use your letter and read it? on a podcast and they, they, they were uncomfortable with that. So I'm not going to read that letter, but it was very heartfelt and it was very, um, detailed. And Jake and I, uh, I, I read it to Jake. I read the highlights to Jake and he came around the, the corner here and we looked at the portfolio. Cause I said, we got to see what this work looks like. Right. Cause it was basically in the letter it was, I've done, I've sent out postcards. Uh, in fact, I, I have some of it here, some highlights. I sent out postcards. I made a website. I post to all the social media sites. I'm doing everything you've said. Um, my work is great. It's still nothing. So what was, was like, you, okay, what do, you think, what do you think his artwork looks like? And I'm thinking, you know, it could be anything. And so I come around and he loads up the website 
and the guy's art is really pretty good. Like it was, I was thinking, okay, maybe this person is still an amateur thinking that they can be a professional, you know? And so it's just as easy as saying, you know, like, well, your work's not good enough yet, but I come around the corner and look at it and I'm like, this is actually kind of good. Yeah. So where'd you land on it? <laughs> Why isn't he getting work? <laughs> it's hard because it's, it's, it's at that point where you look at it and you're like, it's good, but it's not great. And it wasn't. It was missing on in several areas, but probably the main area for me that it was missing on was style for the market that it was attempting to, that this person was attempting to work in. Um, right. That was the that was the main problem. It was like he wants to get into children's books. The subject matter was all children's book stuff, but the style was something you would see from like a Blizzard concept artist. Mm-hmm. You know. So imagine like. The Easter Bunny and a little girl sitting on a on a rock or on a on a log in the in the woods or something like that, and the Easter Bunny is like super highly rendered detailed, and like the proportions are are similar to you know maybe like a, like some humanoid proportions <laughs> but with an Easter Bunny head you know so it's like I could see this being concept art for a video game, but not for a children's book. It right. just did not match that genre. I think you're hitting, I think that's the main thing that I see when this question comes up is that exact thing. It's not that they can't draw or that they can't paint and render and color theory and all that stuff. It really is just missing the mark on where the art is going to go. Um, I just right. got an email this past week from a, from a previous student who's been out of school for a number of years. He's kind of, he was complaining about the exact same problem. I took a look at the work and it was all like, technically, if you had to critique one of the pieces, they were all fine. They were all good, but they were just kind of weird. The subject matter was just kind of weird for weirdness sake. And there's nowhere for that work to live. I can't imagine which art director would look at that and go, oh my gosh, we need that for what we're doing. There was just no place Mm -hmm. for it. So they just missed the market. They hadn't thought about where, who needs to use them and why they would use them. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's the technical aspect, there's the the craft, and this kind of is leading me into another question: like, what are the factors that make a master illustrator? At the same time, it's like you're you work on your craft, so we're talking about like drawing skills, right? Like good good drawing, good draftsman skills, good perspective skills. Um, you know, is it hitting? on the light and shadow area? How's the color? You know, we, we go through all these different aspects of craft. And this artist probably was, was, was pretty high on most of those. Now, I'm not talking, when you, when you would look at this portfolio, and, and it's interesting to actually have to do this through description, you know, in podcast form versus like actually showing the work, but it would be totally inappropriate to show it. I think if most people looked at it that are in the business of illustration, they, they would look at a portfolio, but it, there, nothing about it would really stand out and go, I, I have to pour over this and just look at this for a, a long time. It really was in kind of a, um, it, as far as working illustrators go, it really was on the low end of portfolios. But I'm sure that the person, the artist who did this was very impressed with their own ability to make something look three-dimensional. 
do, do you remember, do you guys remember getting to that point in your yeah. lives where yeah. <laughs> you made something look real and you were like, ugh, I've done it, you know, like, well, it's, it's also, it's sort of fool's gold too, because you like it. And then you show other people who may not even know you can draw or anything and you show, you show them and they, they love it. They can't believe it either. Right. (laughs) And so you get this positive reinforcement kind of circle that starts building around that. And then, um, it's hard to move away from. It's addictive. That is a perfect description. Fool's gold. I never heard, uh, I've never heard it described that way, but I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> it's copywritten already. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so so that if I if I would if I would look at it I, and remember myself back in the day when I first started working, my in my career I actually got to a point where I thought, well, I've and this is embarrassing to admit this, but I got to a point where probably five to ten years in, which is Back then, I was like, I've been an illustrator for five years. I mean, like, I've survived and supported my family for five years. And I remember it 10 years, like 10 years. Like, I, you know, I've, and, and where I am now, sitting a little over 25 years, I'm, I'm looking back at that and I cringed at my, my thought process that, you know, I, I had this idea that I had arrived because on paper and, and just, you know, I was making money, number one, but two, um, I looked at uh, my work and I was like, well, I can, I can make things look three-dimensional. I can put a shadow in. I can, I can, uh, you know, I can draw relatively well. I mean, but I had, I really had convinced myself that there was no more work to be done. And, and that almost uh, crushed my career. I really was stagnating and didn't know it. Yeah. So to, so to uh, use a musical analogy, you basically could play all the notes but you couldn't yeah. play the music. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's, a good, and so, that's a good way to put it. So that brings up where, okay, so you, so you get the, where I'm trying to go with this is you get the craft, but then there's this thing called discretion, right? Yeah. Discretion. And uh, how do you learn what not to illustrate? And, and, and that was this, going back to this portfolio, remember Jake, when we looked at it, it's like, there were really strong highlights on things. Now I'm I'm a guy who love loves highlights, you know, <laughs> like slick candy highlights and things like that. But um, in the children's book world, uh, in that market, in the we're talking about uh, you know feature picture books, there's not a lot of room for slick what I would call like cereal box art, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you tell someone? Your your art looks like cereal box, but but that's professional work too, right? Right. I th- yeah, I think I think there needs to be some kind of uh, a combination of a self audit and then like a professional outside person audit that's looking at your work, right? So the self audit is is kind of what I've heard you say before, where you you pick out the pieces of artwork. Do you want to explain that, Will? Like the process of what you do is you, you put up the nine pieces. Yeah. I have, um, basically some, some ideas of, of what you could do to avoid this problem. So if I, if I were to talk to this person, which I might send them this list, um, and, uh, and, and this would basically be my advice is if you go through this honestly, and it's going to take you some time and it's not something you're going to fix in a week or month, probably not even a year. 
This is a this is a lifelong pursuit because you've you've mastered a lot of the craft, but now you're working on the really hard thing, and that's the artistry, right? The discretion, the the knowing what to leave out, knowing what to put in, knowing how to handle something. And and by no stretch of the imagination am I saying that I've figured this out. I think it's an ongoing process to figure it out. Um, but I'll, I'll read through my list here. And this would be the, uh, the advice I would give. One, study the published illustrations in the market that you wish to break into. So for this person that we're specifically talking about, he wanted to do children's books. So it would be, um, and, and now sometimes I've told students to do this and then I see who they're looking at and I'm like, no, 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 you're looking at the wrong people. <laughs> like, why are you looking at these, these people that are, are doing bad work? And it's like, well, that I like that. And I'm like, you got the wrong heroes. I don't know how to tell someone you got the wrong heroes, but this, you know, I've seen that before. Um, so you want to be looking at, um, and, and I suggest, and I actually stole this from Lee. So, so thanks, Lee. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> but pick, you know, pick eight um, top illustrators that are, you know, getting their work published by big publishers. Okay. We're, we're talking about the five main publishers, the, the HarperCollins, the Random Houses, the, um, the, uh, the, Har- the Scholastics and those guys. And the, I mean, that's pretty much, you're, you're not going to be steered too wrong. They really don't pick too many bad illustrators to work with. So if you're picking people from those major houses, they're, they're setting the trends. They're, they're, they're basically the, the medium-sized publishers and the small publishers are kind of following their lead. So I would pick uh, nine of those or eight of those. And you can do this digitally or you could print this out. But make a, a nine grid, a square, you know, kind of like, uh, what was that game show? The Family Square. The Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brady Bunch, where they had the, and then they had the uh, the celebrities doing that thing. Anyway, anyway, just a, just nine squares and put your oh, Hollywood in. squares. Is Hollywood that what you're squares. talking about? That's what I was trying to go with. Um, and put your artwork, one of your best pieces in the middle. Mm-hmm. And surround it with one piece from from eight different illustrators all the way around, and um, and then try to identify and verbalize. This is the key. You, you know, the one of the worst things that that uh, artists do is just go, oh, "I love that. I love this person's work," without making a list of specifically why it's good. You know, putting it into words and verbalizing it. Um, I would write it down. You know, um, people have goals they write down. People have um, action lists they write down. They have um, inspirations they put they put around their desk. This would be something that I would put on my around or above my desk where I work as a reminder. Okay, these are the things that these eight illustrators are doing that I'm not mastering just yet. Now. If you can't come up with them, if you if you're still if you're looking at it, go well, mine fits perfectly. Now it could be that you really are a master illustrator and you're just undiscovered. That is a possibility. We have to leave that room open for that. But what that means is that nobody has seen your art. 
right? Right. The right, the right people, the gatekeepers, the, the art buyers, they haven't seen your work. So then that's the, the other problem that we're not even talking about today. Um, well, can I but, add to that, Will? So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you got yeah, this, in. you got this square going up and this is where I'm going to give you guys a little bit of tough love from SVS. <laughs> <laughs> a little tough love. Um, I, I, I give this, I've given this assignment a lot. I kind of call it the dream portfolio where you put together this kind of grouping of, of just work that you wish you did. Um, you know, the best of the best. And, and like Will said, mix your work in there too and see how it stands out. But the big thing that that a lot of students, when I give this assignment, miss is they actually don't go, go through that analysis process that Will is talking about now. I mean, I, I I did this myself, and I did I probably wrote five pages of text with graphics just studying Bart Forbes, just mm-hmm. one one wow. person, and and you got to do that careful analysis on each person that makes it onto this you know, square grid. Um, if somebody makes it on the grid, that means you think they're very important and, and you got to dissect specifically what it is. And sometimes you think it's one thing. And once you actually get in there, it's something else. You think it's the line work, but it's really the storytelling or, you know, whatever. Um, looking at images is not work. And I think a lot of times it feels like, Oh, I'm doing work. I'm look, I really like these images. That's nothing. Anybody can say they like an image, but to dive into this work in in a Mm -hmm. studied kind of way, um, it, it makes you a, a rare person because yeah. people like looking at pretty things and then they just move on and then they don't know why they don't get better. Right. So how long Lee, would you say that you spent doing that? Hours and out days. I mean, each one of them in my list gets that and it's an ongoing project. I still do it um, because there's so many good artists out there and I want to know why, what I'm responding to. Uh, and then, and then by knowing what I respond to, then I can bring it into my own work in a way that's mine and not theirs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember going through that process, getting really frustrated. I didn't do what I'm suggesting and what you did. And I probably never spent as much time and I definitely didn't write it down. So I'm, I'm not uh, someone who took my own advice, but I think that my, my learning process took a lot longer than it should have. And part of that was humility and the lack thereof. And a big part of it was a false idea that I've seen not in myself, but not only myself, but in a lot of students, which is I don't want to look at other people's work because I don't want to copy. Mm. I want to be original. And there's a false uh, idea about originality that I think, for, for me anyway, came from elementary school where the teacher was like, don't copy off of anyone else's paper, you know, that yeah, you it's know, weird. And, it's a dumb. That's a dumb learning model. I mean, the, in the Renaissance, it was all about copying and learning from the right. masters. And at some point, that became toxic, and you have to be your own special. <laughs> you know, you have to come up with your right. own world of art right. by yourself. No, I, re- I remember uh, all through junior high school. It wasn't until high school that I started like really doing my own work. But elementary school, junior high school, I was drawing all the time, and I was copying so many like my portfolio was just full of like i'd find a cool art a calvin hobbs illustration or you know a a cool postcard that someone sent that had art on it or or, you know art books that my parents got me and i would just copy them and try to make as good a, a, a rendering as i could that looked just like it and that like that set me up uh for when i wanted to start creating my own things i could be like oh well i already have drawn a hand because uh, this person drew a hand like that and I copied it. So I kind of know how to draw a hand. So now that I'm going to go draw my own hand, um, I'm I'm 
I'm pulling from that, but I'm also adding my own, like my own vibe to that hand. Right. And that's, and that's honestly, and even as I, I, I've gone into my professional career and even now I'll still pull up pieces for inspiration, like right in front of me at my desk, there's five sheets of expressions that other people have drawn, you know, expression sheets. And I'm always looking at those and thinking like, okay, how can I apply that expression to the expression that I'm drawing right now for, for this comic page that I'm doing. So it's like, you, you, you really don't have to make it as hard as you're making it. If you're, if you're like, everything's got to come from within, you know what? It doesn't, it, it, it comes from without and you process it and you turn it into your thing. Um, and I think that's a good point. Like what you were saying earlier, it's like, find the right people, find the right artists to look at. Um, and, and let them like, just let them flow through you and whatever you, there's no way you can actually like perfectly copy all things all the time. Um, at some point you're going to mix something with something else and a little bit of yourself and a little bit of this other person. And you're going to find your own, um, your own style that fits into the, the, this world that you're wanting to get into. And, yeah. and and then to add to that, you know, once you've got those nine and once your work actually does meld into that grouping, you know, you put it up and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I should be technically as good as these people. I'm storytelling as good as these people. Then it becomes about what I was talking about earlier and finding the right people for it. And in other words, if you're doing these beautiful figurative nudes, you're probably not going to be a children's book illustrator. That's okay. Find the gallery that shows, you know, these painterly nudes mm-hmm. or, or landscapes or whatever you're doing. Um, but, but just find the right people to view the work because it's, it, it could be as simple as you're just, you know, barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. That's yeah, that's exactly right. I might also, um, talk just a little bit about the fact that, and, and I, and I used to do this when I was teaching at university, I, I would ask my students sometimes like, I, I, I would come into class one day and just out of the blue say, does anyone know anyone in their family who's been to med school, who's gone through med school? And, you know, that's like a, that kind of wakes people up because it's like not the typical art school topic, right? Mm-hmm. And inevitably someone in there does. They have a, a brother, a sister, uncle, aunt, somebody uh, who's gone through medical school. And, I, and I'll ask them, can you describe what it was like for them? Like, what was their typical day? How much sleep did they get? Um, how much study time did they have? How much, how much total work did they put in in a week? And I think that most people can relate because they've seen it on shows. They've, they've seen it, you know, on TV that the fact that if you're in med school and you're, you're doing well, you pretty much have zero life, right? And, that, and that's really where I'm trying to get with that. Um, and the focus and the attention to detail and the studying is insane. And then I'll say, the thing is, when, when someone finishes med school, if they've, if they've done everything they're supposed to do and if they've done it well, there's a job waiting for them at the end of the day. Like, they get hired. Like the, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they, there's, there's a need. They, they put them in. They, they start to, to generate a good salary. With illustration, it's in my opinion, every bit is hard to develop a unique style and to develop a, a product that, that uh, you're basically going to beat out other artists with 
in in the competition for jobs for for illustration work but there's no guarantee for a job at the end of the day so in some ways you could make the argument that becoming a professional artist an illustrator in our cases is harder or you should be treating it like you're in med school right so so breaking it down like lee was talking about and and really like i mean and and basically Moving without the ball, as Charles Barkley would say, you know, you're not going to get paid for doing that research. Your your instructors at school are probably not going to require that type of research. Um, but you have to f- somehow find the motivation within, and that's another thing that makes it harder than med school in some ways. Is there's nobody telling you where to be at a certain time. You have to make that schedule yourself, right? I will say though, so, like once you graduate, and and if you've put in the time and you got the technical skills and all that. Um, it does become more about what about making an interesting image and making something that people grab onto. And I, I, for this example, I'd like to use uh, if you guys know Chris Applehan's work, mm-hmm. he's awesome. Um, and I, I went to school with him. And one of the best things that I, that I saw from him is it didn't matter whether it was an ugly line or or just a sketch or a full painting or whatever. Everything he did was interesting for some reason he just brought this extra element of storytelling to the images and all this and i think at the professional level you know this this topic is my art is great why would anybody hire me it does has it has to go into that next level of making something interesting and that doesn't even it, it may not even be technically the best in terms of what makes something interesting and i don't think a lot of people ask themselves that specific question why is this interesting? Am I bringing anything new to this subject matter? Um, and it could just be a sticking point on that. If you're recycling kind of the same images that you're seeing without bringing some new level of storytelling or, or some kind of unique viewpoint, um, your art is just going to get lost in the mix, even if it's professional level, technically. That's, that's a really good point. And I know, I know Chris as well. Um, and I know you uh, also, obviously. Um, and both of you, I think, have really interesting work. Like, it's rare that I see a piece from Chris or a piece from you, Lee, or even from you, Will, as well, um, where there isn't something in it where it just, like, it sparks my imagination or there's a little bit of a storytelling tell, element there. And what's I think what's interesting, like, if you look at your work and you realize, you, you know, either someone tells you or you realize yourself that there isn't anything interesting there, it might be because you are not an interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now, you gotta live some, live some life. <laughs> but I know, I know Chris, and I, I know you guys as well. And you guys have these rich lives outside of art, and and art isn't everything. It's just a way for you to express yourselves, and and you're able, like Lee, you you sent me photos a couple of weeks ago of a bathroom that you built. You built out, you know, the woodworking that you did in there was yeah. phenomenal. Well, thank you. Um, I know Will spends half his life on a mountain, you know? Um, and so, so you're out there, you're having experiences and art is just a way for you to, uh, express some of that interestingness that's already like inherent inside of you. So, so that's one thing I would do too, is like, if you're not, you know, if your work's not interesting, go out and do something and talk to somebody, you know, different people and have some experiences and, you know, travel or, or, you know, if you can't afford to travel, just go to the other side of your town and spark up a conversation with someone. You, you don't know what you're going to absorb from that 
that you can then show in your work. That's what I call like filling your creative bank account. You, you, you know, you can't, you, you, you've got, you've got to have creative capital in order to create something. And if you're, if you're dry, if you're empty, you're just going to have dry and empty work. Right. Right. There's a great quote. This hopefully this will apply. Um, I always remember it though. And it was the lazy man doesn't get very far and the perpetually busy man doesn't get much farther. And I love that. I feel, and I feel, how it applies to art to me, that quote is, I see a lot of artists just drawing, 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 which you'd think, oh, drawing is going to make you better. But at some point you have to stop and think. And, and like Jake's saying, you got to live. And even just backing up and saying, I don't need to draw another still life or, or, or you know, something that's not going to move me forward and make an interesting image is if you just stop and say, well, what kind of images am I making? Do I, is there something better or different that I can explore visually? Um, and then getting out and seeing some museums and things like that. Now, granted, you are busy, but it's it's a different kind of busy. It's a relaxing. Um, just moving the pencil doesn't make you better. It won't make you pro. Right. Yeah, there's like a, you know, you can't just exhale. You have to inhale. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, so let me, let me just rack up what we've talked about so far. If If you feel like you're not getting work, or if you're maybe you're not you're feeling you know you're not getting work. Uh, step one is to audit yourself, audit your work, and look at hold it up next to other people's work that you find um, that you find interesting, or that, that it's the bar that you want to try to achieve, and give it an honest look. Right. Um, work on your your craft by either doing master studies and copying these things. Um, add some interestingness to your work as well. And, and if you're struggling there, maybe check your life out and see what, you know, if you're, if you're doing anything interesting in your life or if there's, you know, any sort of um, uh, in, interesting influences happening in your life. If, 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 if that's not happening, then seek that out. Um, so there, there needs to be some sort of, I like what Will said, discretion um, on, your, on your own work and, and really self-evaluating. But then, there's another key there, and I think that's finding uh, an outside source that can give you an honest critique as well. And and I think set up a feedback loop. So a feedback loop is where you show them something, they tell you what to fix, you go fix it. You show them something, they tell you what to fix, so you go fix it. Um, I think that's that's key to it as well. What, can I interject in that? Yeah, yeah go for it. I was along just ask along you. with that, that, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Along with, with getting other people, people to give you feedback you've got to be and not everybody's going to be ready to do this but you at some point you have to work towards getting your skin thick enough to really beg for an honest critique let me have it uh mm-hmm. the, the 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 pats on the back is is not a critique and there are certain friends that you have that won't they, they just can't go there uh mm-hmm. they, they they won't be able to give you the the critical feedback others might give you bad critical feedback because they they're they're not uh, they're not in the in the world of illustration right so that they, they don't really understand what kind of feedback you need but if you can find uh, instructors um, professional illustrators people that can you know and, and you really invite them like look you're not going to help me by telling me you just like this look at this nine grid where am I falling short if you can get that kind of feedback, that kind of honesty, that if you can't see it yourself, because some people just can't, right? 
they'll put their own work up there and they'll go, I think mine fits in perfectly. And it's like, <laughs> and, and, and so like seeing, like I've talked to you, uh, you guys about this before that sometimes people, we're not seeing the same things. When we look at illustrations, we're just not seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so you need that that outside look. I do have I do have my four step process for evaluating if you are actually good. Oh, it's, let's uh, hear it. Here. My list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want to know. These are the four steps, and this. And, I'm going to use know, this. Teaching so long, I've these. It's this has been pretty constant. So I'm glad to have this list. It's it's based on reality and 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 market research. Um, so the first step into you being good is people naturally gravitate towards your work. And where I first saw this was when I was in school, you put your stuff up, you know, everybody's got their, their work up on the rail and everybody just goes to one or two of them. And, and that's without anybody prodding you or asking you, it's just naturally kind of happens. And you'll see that, I mean, it can happen online too, with people, people that you don't know, liking your work. Don't, don't, don't worry about your mom liking it, (laughs) your wife or girlfriend or whatever. Um, but people naturally gather around the work. Um, so that's step one. Step two is people will start seeing your work and they'll start recommending you for something. Because, and that is an important step because now if somebody recommends you, that means they think you're good enough that they're willing to put their reputation on the line. So I love that when you start seeing, hey, you should meet my friend over here. He's looking for some art or, or, or your art would fit perfect here. Let me give you a name. If that starts happening, that's legitimate because people are putting themselves on the line. Um, the next step is you're going to start to win things. And that means contests. That means scholarships. That means free classes or, you know, it's whatever you enter, you'll start to place and start getting notoriety there. You'll start to be in the top three, if not the top spot. Um, and then lastly, people will start paying you, even if it's low jobs, uh, not making enough. Once people's dollars start landing in your hand, um, that's a big indicator that you're doing something right. So, so, and typically it happens in that order for students. Uh, so if, if you know, you can figure out where you are on that, on that list, but it tends to be pretty consistent. That's yeah. I, I, uh, I have to agree with that list thinking about it. That's gold. I, I mean, you've, we've all seen this in our own work, right? It's exactly how mine happened. Yeah. 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 I used to make my students, uh, pick their favorite. I'd, I'd, I'd pick them at random, especially the ones that were just horrified at having to pick someone else's work that they liked, you know? when we put them up <laughs> and I'd say, you can't pick your own. And if you pick one, like you pick your friends, you have to defend it and tell why it's better than all the others. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty good. laughs> um, Lee or Lee or Will, was there anything else as far as addressing this? Yeah, just, I, I, we really didn't, we kind of gla- glossed over making master copies. Um, that's, do we want to talk about that a little bit? Well, uh, I I mean I talked about copying work as being like I think important. I mean, is there There's, is there a particular method to master copying? No, I just say why. Like for yeah. someone who for convince me. Let's say I'm the person who uh, I don't want to copy other people's work because I don't want to copy. Like why do I have to? You're the teacher and you're given that assignment to make master. First off, oh. you know I, I think everybody listening should know that that is like at the top art schools that is a uh, a proven teaching method. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, so convince me. I'm the reluctant student. But that that so, leaves off a very imp- important component of the master copy, which I think a master copy is a two part assignment. The first part is the copy, and it should look exact. It shouldn't be 
close or and if it's if if it does if I can't tell the difference between them then you haven't done enough work. It really does need to you need to nail it. And then the next step which often gets left off is you try to then apply what you learned to a new piece. That's not a master copy, but you're still working in that same style. For example, if I copied Arthur Rackham, now the next piece I'll read some text, I'll pick some text, and I'll try to illustrate it as if I'm Arthur Rackham and see how much of that translated over. And you might get stuck, and then you got to go back and say, well, how did he handle this? And and that's a next step of learning, and that also is the process of acclimating it to you. Yeah. Like I've told students, keep a copy sketchbook. And this is a sketchbook that you just throw away when you're done, when it's filled, because all that they're valuable for is what happens in your brain and what happens with like your muscle memory in your hand. And that's it. And you shouldn't show them to anybody unless it's for like, you know, critique on how to make it better. But once you're done with them, you don't need those copies anymore because the most valuable thing from that experience is inside of you. Uh, so, so that's, that's that. The other thing, I guess, to convince you, Will, to start doing copies, <laughs> uh, you, th- you think about, so I've got kids in piano right now, piano lessons, and not once yet, they've been doing it for well over a year, maybe two years now, not once has the teacher said, all right, just, just make a piece of music, just, <laughs> just write whatever you want. And then she, you know, she hasn't, you know, critiqued them on the thing that they're, 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 this piece of music that they've written. Everything that they've done has been trying to play sight read and play other people's music, and and they can actually they've started to play quite well. And I even hear them on their own, like strumming out little pieces of their own music. But um, that's the way you learn an instrument. I don't see why you wouldn't learn art that way as well. Amen. It's it's weird because if you look at it through that lens, art is the only one that asks you to come in with no knowledge and then output something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you try if you go into martial arts, there's a belt system. They don't just ask you to come in and like fight at however you feel. <laughs> and they teach you moves. <laughs> yeah. Like, and same same in sports, they teach you what the greats before did. The moves. This is how so and so would do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I interject one little anecdotal story about you, Jake? Yeah, go this for is, it. This might be embarrassing. Uh-oh. Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, you, I remember when you did that uh, piece of the Santa's sleigh. Uh-huh. And, and it was being pulled by some animals, d- yes. different different kinds of animals. And, and then I came in late where you said, now I did this. And then I showed it to Scotty Young. And for those who don't know Scotty Young, he's a famous comic book illustrator. Is mm-hmm. anything else that I'm missing there on him? You, you nailed it. Okay. So so uh, you're, you're friends with Scotty, mm-hmm. and then what did he tell you? Uh, so I showed him it, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I'm like, oh, come on. Give me a real critique. And he's all, well, it looks like – he said, this looks like the stock footage version of the thing that you're trying to do. Like, uh, I want a bunch of animals pulling a sleigh. What would – the generic version be and he's like he's like you're a children's book illustrator make it fun like add you know you you can you can make the draft's neck three times as long as it's supposed to be you can you know you're you're being way too conservative here and so i was like oh you're right um and did you ended up seeing the 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 second piece the, the second one was amazing and what's what's interesting to me about this is you were an illustrator for how long (laughs) when you did this 
14 years or and something you, like you that. And you worked at Blue Sky yeah. and, on, on all these motion pictures. You had you had a decorated career. You'd done a book that was on the New York Times bestseller list. And yet you were still able to, um, and I think all of us have this within us, where we don't show up some days, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're all capable of that. So can I tell you what I did then? So yeah. I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. So I went to Pinterest and I started looking up cartoon animals that other people had drawn. And I made a Pinterest board with all kinds of cartoon animals. And I just was looking, I'm like, wow, that's how you, you would do a giraffe. That's how you would do a, a killer whale. That's how you would do, you know, a llama. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I didn't even, I wouldn't even thought to do that. <laughs> and when I went back to it, I basically, I, I wouldn't say ripped these people off, but I took a little bit of this from this guy and I applied a little bit of what they did on that drawing to this animal here, even though it was a different drawing. And and I kind of mashed it all together and made it made it my own, but it was really from absorbing what other artists had done. And you had Scotty in your head. Yeah, yeah. You knew that he was going to see the second yep. version. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it w- really was night and day. And mm-hmm. and so when someone tells me, going back to the, the 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 topic, you know, my art is great, but I'm not getting any work. It's I think of things like this of like what more we could pull from ourselves that we we I mean how many of you times have you guys done a piece of art and you were surprised at the, the finish like I didn't know I was that was possible right yeah no that's that's happened once or twice <laughs> I don't no. remember that feeling <laughs> no there's been a few moments in my in my career where it, there was clearly. A before that piece and an after that piece, yeah. you the, know, the pinnacle pieces. Yeah, right. Those happen more in the beginning, though. I wish they happened now as frequently as they used to. Well, the nice right. thing about now is I don't have to spend time like figuring out how to draw something. Right. I can be like, I could spend way more time on the interesting, imaginative side of things than on the rendering yeah. like approach to it, and that's been that's been cool because I've got I've got like two or three styles are my go to styles. And then it's like, okay, how do I really make this something that um, someone's going to like pause for two seconds instead of s- screaming by it? Yeah. And like, whoa, what is that? And that's a big game changer from experience, I think, is now I don't have such an, uh, so much hurt, I guess, wrapped up in a piece not working out as, as, as I did in the beginning. Like now, speaking of your, your animal piece with the sleigh. Mm-hmm. I don't mind looking at something I didn't being like, yeah, that's not working out. And then go back without taking a personal hit emotionally. I just go back yeah. and say, I can make this one better. I mean, I did, <laughs> I did 13 versions of the last dummy book dummy that I made. I never yeah. once thought oh, I'm terrible. I just thought this isn't as good as it could be yet. Right. But and sometimes in, you can't even put your finger on it, right? Like you, yeah, it's hard. You look at it and you're like, why am I not impressed by what I just did? Yeah. If you yourself aren't kind of impressed, then no one else is going to be right. <laughs> right? Well, you should you be have stoked. to tell yourself it's good. It's, <laughs> you should, it's, yeah, it's it's this is this is good. This yeah, is yeah. good. Really. No, good. there's been there's been times where I'm like, I've worked over an hour, two hours, three hours on a thing, and then realized like it wasn't good at all. And I, I was like, I can't I can't post this online. <laughs> and I didn't. You know, I'm not going to show anybody this. Yeah. I think too, you have to get to a place where if you finished a piece. And you went to the bathroom and you came back and, you know, the dog had chewed it up that you'd be like, oh, I'll just do another one. 
no big deal. <laughs> like you're not you're not upset. You know, maybe the upset thing is like, well, there goes my afternoon. I got to redo it. But you're not upset that the, the piece of work was destroyed. You're just like, well, I know that is within me, and I can just create another one if I have to. Maybe even a better one this time. <laughs> So, well, I think Agreed. that's good. I, I just want to add one last thing. I don't want to get us off on a full another topic, but for full another, is that even a, a full another? A full another topic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a full other topic or whatever. Um, I, just for if there's a, a professional illustrator out there or a, a really close professional illustrator, they're like, yeah, I've done all this, guys. I know my stuff's good. Nobody is picking up on this. Then your problem isn't the craft. Your problem is your network and your ability to promote yourself. And so um, maybe that's a topic for another another time. But I would start to look at who do you know in your network? Do you know any children's book illustrators? Do you know anybody in the field of what you want to do? And if you don't know anybody... There's no way you're gonna you're gonna break in. You've got to start making friends and doing those things. You need to find mentors. Uh, you need to up your online game and and getting your work out there. So I would just say, uh, just to add value to to some of our more uh, uh, some of our better people listening, that that there's another aspect to that as well. Like that's level two. Then once you've once you've solved the craft problem, and and maybe we'll talk about that in, in, a, in another episode. Um, so let's, uh, I just want to ask you guys, this is a, a, a segment I want to do each episode and that's, what are you guys working on? Uh, I'll just tell you what I'm working on right now and, and then you guys can say what you're working on. Uh, we're all working professional illustrators and, and, um, part of what I love listening to other illustrators is talking about what they're doing, what, what problems they're going through and what successes they're having. So right now I'm finishing up. My graphic novel, Skyheart, this is something I, I kickstarted two years ago, um, two, almost two and a half years ago, and it's just taken it's taken a lot longer than, than I had planned it to be. Basically, what I thought would take an hour ended up taking two and a half hours, and multiply that by <laughs> hundreds of hours, right? Um, and so I'm wrapping it up. I finished the inks on it. I'm screaming through the coloring process right now. I've had couple of different assistants helping me out with colors and I'm just going in and like fixing and adjusting and adding shadows and things like that. And it's feeling really good. Like I'm super excited. There was a, a stage in the middle where I was like questioning everything on this project and thinking like I was so dumb for taking this on. And now I'm like <laughs> super pumped because it's, it's all like coming together and it's looking really good. And I, and I want to, I want to start working on the next one. So that's what I'm doing right now. Cool. Uh, Will, what are you working on? So I'm uh, working on a story in a reading book, and it's about a bunny rabbit who outfoxes a wolf. Can you outfox a wolf? Outwolf a fox. Yeah, so that's 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 uh, for, for a reading book. And then another one that I'm about to start is the sequel to Bonaparte Falls Apart, published by Penguin Random House. So really Super cool. can't wait to get started on that one. Got a couple books on your plate. Yeah. Nice, cool. nice. I'm I'm finishing up a story. I'm writing a new story. And this one's a hard one. It's it's about a natural disaster. You know, good good kids book topic. Natural <laughs> disaster and tragedy. Um but you know, for ever for all the, you know, light and lighthearted books there are, I think there's a place for these 
there's a lot of meaning in this book and and the storytelling is really touchy. It's uplifting. And then it's sad, it's sad too. And I don't want to gloss over that kind of sadness. And so it's a different kind of children's book than I've worked on before. And just the, the way that it's being written, written and what happens in the stories forcing me to, to change every technique I know about storytelling through images. And so I just finished the dummy yesterday, the manuscript, and I've got a rough sketched out version of the, of the book about half finished with sketches. I just finished all the writing yesterday. Um, but it's exciting because it's a, it's a game changer for me in terms of, of how I work and how I write and, and everything. So I'm having to get through it and and figure out how to tell this, um, delicate story, (laughs) but it's exciting. (laughs) The day Timmy's house was destroyed by a tornado. (laughs) Oh no, this is way worse than that. (laughs) Oh really? (laughs) It's way worse. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. That sounds cool. (laughs) Well, we did our first episode. <laughs> Good job. Right. Good job, guys. Yeah, uh, I just want to thank everybody for, for listening uh, to Three Point Perspective. Uh, this podcast is made possible by svslearn.com, where becoming a great illustrator starts. So if you're interested in learning how to up your craft, learning about the business of illustration, check out svslearn.com. We all teach classes there. Your hosts have been myself, Jake Parker. I am... I could be found at mrjakeparker.com. And if you're on Instagram, check out at Jake Parker. Uh, Will Terry, say hi, Will Terry, just so they can put the voice. Hi, Will Terry. <laughs> it's Will Terry. You can find him at willterry.com. Is it just willterry.com? Yeah. Okay. And he is Will Terry Art on Instagram. And Lee, say hi. Hey there. That's Lee. Uh, LeeWhiteIllustration.com is where you can find his work. And his Instagram account is at LeeWhiteIllustration. Uh, so if you like this episode, please share it around, uh, whether it's on social media or where, however you share things by pigeon uh, or, or, or maybe just <laughs> talking to people actually in person. Um, uh, and, and if you can subscribe to it on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to podcasts, please subscribe so you can uh, be notified when our next episode's air and we'd love it if you left a review these podcasts they live and die by reviews so uh let people know what you thought of us uh and and we'd love to hear what you think honestly too if you liked it we'd love to know if if you if you're there's things you want us to talk about we'd love to know that as well Uh, if you're wanting to join in on this particular discussion uh you you feel like a lot of things we talked about applied to you uh log on to the svslearn.com forum uh, where there is a post related directly to this podcast where you can talk about this and and uh and we'd love to hear your feedback there and that's all thank you very much and we'll see you guys next time all right bye <laughs> what was that will it was I hope we can cut that. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. 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 <laughs> I could uh, get that you guys could sample that and use that against me forever. So, I think uh you guys were great. I was okay. a little stiff at first, yeah. but whatever. I'm going to hit stop. Is that all right? Yeah, that's good. Okay.